0: This is The Day That Changed Everything, a podcast series produced by Maine Biz, Maine's business news source. Every two weeks, we will post an interview with a business leader whose life was upended in one day and learn how they navigated their way back. If all great change is preceded by chaos, then this podcast series seeks to make sense of the chaos. The Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by MTI, or Maine Technology Institute, Norway Savings Bank, and Vistage.
1: This is Jennifer Cook of Norway Savings Asset Management Group. Here, we believe in family asset management. Simply put, it means we do right by you and your loved ones. And it's not necessarily the size of the portfolio we care about. It's the story behind it. A story that's unique to you. Let us help you write your next chapter. For more information, visit norwaysavings.bank.
2: Investment products are not FDIC-insured, not guaranteed by the bank, and may lose value.
0: Thank you for listening to our podcast, The Day That Changed Everything. Over the last 18 months, Biz has talked with business leaders from around Maine about the challenges they faced, how they've overcome dramatic changes, and the lessons that they have learned. Their stories have been inspirational to many in the business community. And as we close out 2021, we have asked our podcast interviewers, Renee Cordes, Allison Nason, and me, Andrea Tetzlaff, to look back on those podcasts and talk about any common themes we found among the variety of stories these business leaders shared with us. Let's start with senior writer Renee Cordis. Renee?
1: Hi everyone. So one theme that's particularly struck me is the human side of business leadership. Some of the interviews I found most compelling were business leaders at their most vulnerable, talking about how personal tragedy forced them to change course. One example is Jonathan Ayers, the former head of IDEX, who was critically injured in a bike accident that left him quadriplegic. Because of the accident, he could no longer lead the company he had led for close to two decades. Not an easy thing to do or admit, but he had no choice. Let's listen to a bit of his interview.
3: That was a big loss. Because I didn't have any, I enjoyed my job tremendously, uh, and I didn't wasn't planning on retiring. I mean, I was sixty three at the time, but I wasn't planning on retiring. I was totally committed to the job, and you know, and it was me who made the conclusion. I can't can't go forward, but it was a big that was a big deal for me that I just lost my purpose. You know, other than my family, I lost my purpose and what I'd really dedicated myself to. So that was a big transition.
1: His immediate purpose after the accident was to focus on his own well-being and rehabilitation. But what's so inspiring is how he found new purpose in philanthropy devoted to conservation of wild cat species. I'm talking 40 different species from big pumas to lesser known small cats called margays. The conservation cause was already close to his heart, his entire life, you could almost say, but now he could dedicate his whole self to that cause through his very active involvement in an organization called Panthera. I was also very moved by Kay Aiken of Dynamic Grid, who bravely talked about losing her romantic and business partner, Carol Johnson, to cancer and the ensuing emotional
2: trauma this is what Kay shared with us toughest thing I ever did was say let her go and uh, about 1205 that the next morning um, she died honestly the first three months was a blur I got through the memorial service we had about two weeks later and fled to Norway to be with Carol's daughter. And I just, I kind of ran away. I, I came home, I, I flew all around the world. I, I flew 65,000 miles in three months, basically just trying to keep myself busy and do something different. And that really is why the business is hurting right now was, I had zoned out for that 10 months and I really zoned out now and companies need leadership. And I didn't provide leadership because I didn't know where I was going.
1: I'm sure it was very hard for both Kay and Jonathan to essentially relive their experiences. But I also got the sense it was cathartic. Jonathan told me that he was grateful for the opportunity to say goodbye to the staff of IDEX since he never got to do that after the accident. And Kay appreciated the chance to pay tribute to a dear person, someone she had been close to for many years. And both of them shared insights that we can all learn from and relate to as human beings.
4: So Renee, can you tell us, was it hard? When you were doing the interviews without getting emotional yourself?
1: Of course, it was moving and it was hard not to feel that emotion. But my job as an interviewer is to listen and ask questions so the guests share what they feel comfortable sharing. And of course, when we record these interviews, it's not never our first conversation with a person. So we know their stories and preparation is also key.
0: Renee, thanks for kind of bringing us back to those interviews. I agree with you; they were both great, and I really um, was impressed when Jonathan spoke so um, candidly about how much it meant to him to be able to say goodbye to his main family um, that he hadn't really had the chance to do that, and this was an opportunity for him, which was really nice. So, I'm I'm just curious. You know, were you surprised with some of these interviews where they had these? major life changes? Were you surprised there wasn't um, a sense of, I I just can't do this, or I cannot continue after they've had these major life upheavals?
1: Well, in Kay's case, there certainly was this sense and this large weight on her shoulders because she was still grieving, is still grieving. And she also admitted that she let aspects of the business go because there were certain things she couldn't or didn't want to deal with after Carol died and even shortly beforehand. That's perfectly understandable and I also find refreshingly honest. As for Jonathan, he had no choice but to accept that he couldn't be the person he was before the accident. He couldn't live the same life. He couldn't even stay in Maine after this uh, tragic occurrence. And he had to find another way, not only to survive and take care of his health and recover, but also contribute in a meaningful way to a cause he believes in. And that's just not a matter of throwing money of it as he also shared with us. And in September, after our interview, he was named chairman of the board of this uh, conservation organization, Panthera, that is his job now. And daily life is still a struggle. Because of his accident, but he just perseveres. If that is in leadership, I don't know what is. Thank you so much,
0: Renee, for that. Um, We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about some more insights from
2: business leaders we learned this year. As the CEO or owner of a small or mid-sized business in Maine, you've got the weight of the world on you. But what if you didn't have to go at it alone? What if you could journey with an elite team of peers who've got your back and an experienced guide who knows the lay of the land? With that level of support, how far could you go? For more than 60 years, Vistage, the world's leading executive coaching and peer advisory organization, has been helping leaders reach new heights. Learn more at Vistage.com. That's V I S T A G E.com. We are back talking about
0: some of the interviews from 2021 that kind of wove a common thread between them and had uh, taught us as interviewers some information just as much as we were learning about their stories. Next up is Allison Nason uh, from the Main Biz Podcast team. Allison, what did you find to be your common thread among these interviews?
4: Well, thank you, Andrea. Uh, I have to say there were so many great podcasts this year Uh, from our main business community that we interviewed with that were all very, very inspiring. But in particular, I very much admired the leaders and the business owners that began their own businesses. Um, Each one of these entrepreneurs demonstrated a significant level of planning, risk-taking, perseverance, something we just heard from Renee, to keep going during challenging times. Steve Tenney, who started an independent wealth management firm, Great Diamond Partners is a good example of this. Steve and his team did the due diligence of quality planning before starting their new business. And I think the quote that paints a real picture of the kind of risk they took when launching Great Diamond Partners is this one.
3: It's not a decision you take lightly. We, we knew we had one shot and that's it. And we take our relationships with our clients so seriously that we had to make sure it was going to work out and so even though we stacked everything in our favor as best as we could I'll be very honest with you and say that there was a little bit of a feeling like we're throwing a party we hope someone shows up (laughs) and when we walked out of the building that day we had no clients and we had to work our tails off to bring the clients over but we 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 thought we would be successful. We in our due diligence, we knew that most people that do this are successful in bringing over ninety to ninety-five percent of our clients, their clients. So we were as confident as we could be. There's always that little doubt nagging at you on the day uh, that that made us nervous, but we we plowed forward.
4: The next. Uh, Entrepreneur, I'd like to mention is Erin Flett, founder and owner of Erin Flett Textiles and Home. She reminded us the importance of the ability to adjust and change your business as it grows. As a leader, it is important to make positive partnerships with others and know that you don't need to do it alone. As a small business owner, many are wearing multiple hats and are doing a lot of work themselves. I think Erin describes it well in her podcast about the importance of staying true to who you are as a leader and your business while keeping the passion, integrity, and mission of the work aligned. More specifically, let's hear this quote from Erin's podcast.
1: How do you want to keep the integrity of the piece and your soul, and not like really sell out? And I think the best thing that to come back to is that that foundation of like, I'm not really, I'm not, I'm gaining things, I'm not losing things you have to grow and expand and do all those things and, and partner up with people that are aligned with you as far as integrity and that craftsmanship. But then you also have, so you just, you have to let go of this stuff. That I feel like it's just like this easy money maker that is just, it's all about the the bottom line, which I think has to be both. I think you have to have that integrity and that passion and all those things have to align. You figure stuff out. And I think mm-hmm. in a small business, you just, you know, one day at a time and figure out what, what needs to be done and, and you literally get help if, when you need help. Great stuff, Allison. I think one lesson that comes through loud and clear from both of these interviews is that you can't do everything on your own and you have to have strong and, and reliable partners. So I w- was also curious um, how some of this relates to lessons and ideas that we hear from a whole host of, of leaders when we have our regular MaineBiz uh, CEO forums?
4: Thank you, Renee. That is such a great question. Well, for our listeners who may not be as familiar with our main biz events, we've been hosting a special CEO forum um, since 2017 focused on the topic of 60 Ideas in 60 Minutes, where we gather some of these similar themes and topics that we've been getting from our podcast interviewees. In recent events that we've had this year in our Portland and Bangor forums, We've been hearing that, for example, one of the ideas was be accessible to your team and be open to changing your mind and adjusting your plans. So planning, as we've talked about, is significantly important to all of what we do as leaders, but change and adjustment is just as critical. you know, maybe a small business, which I've, I mentioned earlier here, for Aaron Flett and others, we're all needing to adapt as to the marketplace, to the changes, and quite frankly, to this past year during a pandemic. In addition, we've heard, understand, and even value ambiguity. Decisiveness and certainty is great when they are possible and believable to your team, but the hard choices we all have to make as leaders are not often very clear-cut. So learn to navigate in this ambiguous world, and don't but don't be wishy-washy. Be able to sort things out. It requires to be comfortable in the unknown or the unknowns. And then lastly, we had Kevin Hancock back in 2019. Uh, actually, Kevin was one of our first podcast interviews. And I think this is a great one as well to just leave us all on. It's change is created first from within. Leaders, managers, and supervisors need to manage others less and themselves more. It's like Gandhi said, we must be the change.
0: Thanks, Allison. It's really interesting to see how a lot of our lessons learned in the podcast kind of overlap a lot of what we hear from those business executives uh, at our forums as well. So we're going to take one last break and we will be right back.
4: Mainers have an unrivaled work ethic, an endless supply of ideas, a boundless energy to create, and the perseverance to not say it's done until it's done better than it was before. Which is why the Maine Technology Institute was created to support, nurture, and invest in those qualities and make Maine a place where ideas and people can thrive. To see how MTI supports innovation, go to maintechnology.org. That's maintechnology.org.
0: So we're back, um, and I am now going to share what I kind of learned as that common thread between a lot of our podcast interviews this year. And for me, it was really seeing um, how business executives possess this kind of strategic-minded thinking that helps them be successful um, in their in their day-to-day life. I found it really interesting while interviewing or listening to many of our podcasts how strategically thoughtful. Um, the people that we talked to were. It makes sense, right? How would they have risen to their level of success without thinking of the various ways that cost and structure impact their business? Um, And then, you know, many of these leaders had really interesting ways to approach operational or strategic success. One that really stood out to me was Kai Adams of Sebago Brewing, um, he was talking to me about learning what the monthly costs would be when he was really kind of dreaming up what the idea of Sebago Brewing Company would be and creating his own kind of monthly P&L forecasting statement based off the information that he was gathering as a brewer, as a bartender, um, as, a, as a manager within some of the restaurants that he was working in. Here's Kai talking about that.
2: Remember, my, my GM at the time I was so confident in how he knew how to run this business. I was like, cool. How much is the phone bill this month? And I go home and phone bill November, you know, 20, 1997, phone bill this month, 375 You know, and, and I would, it was really a little bit of corporate espionage because I'd get everyone's sales shit, like chits, and I'd collect them. And then I, all, all, all the numbers were there. So you
0: were even looking at the operational costs of what all of that is that you're not as a, as a bartender or a server, you never think about, but you were looking at, okay, operationally, how much does it cost to open these doors every day? How much does it cost monthly to be paying the staff and be paying the bills that keep this thing going?
2: Absolutely. I mean, really needed to learn all that. And I built my own PL based on that data that I have. So that was very helpful. It was, it was great. It was a really good learning experience.
0: The, uh, the team from Shipwright discussed, you know, having tough conversations with Wayfair about their cost structure and showing them that for some deliveries, the payment schedule that they had worked out was not covering their expenses and that those pricing models were going to have to be adjusted if Shipwright was going to be able to continue to stay in business with Wayfair. Here they are talking about what that conversation with Wayfair was like.
3: So we were transparent with our financials, uh, had some very good conversations and they made sure that we were in a position where we were making positive margins and, and, uh, that we were
0: healthy. So, oh, interesting. So you were sharing your financials with them to say like, this is what our, this is what our costs are.
2: That's without only, even making it, anything. Yeah. 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 I mean, they helped us out with a couple of reasonable bumps and they are, they're also good at, at incenting. delivery agents. That's what, you know, in their network, we're referred to as a delivery agent. So
1: it was reasonable, but, but to Todd's point, it it came time for a a significant
2: sit down overhaul and, and yeah, we had to be somewhat open booked about it. And they were as well. I mean, they've got delivery agents all over the, uh, all over the nation and I guess they've got them all over the world. And Presque Isle is very different than delivering in, you know, in, in
1: Brooklyn or in some, some, you know, dense suburb of a big city versus, a place like Maine that has so much, so much sprawl. And
0: Renee, your interview with the developers from the Downs, Bill and Peter, you know, they talked about being able to think through what changing the Downs into a vax clinic would look like and being able to work through that process in their heads and confidently know, I think they had said within 24 hours, they were able to commit to what the changes were going to be to the Downs and commit to a date that was, very short time frame turnaround, and kind of were able to work through all of that processes in their head to know that they could do it. You know, these leaders all showed in their their own way specific to their own industries, how being able to be really strategic about what you're doing ultimately leads you to success. You know, whether it's preparing to start a company, um, having tough conversations in the middle of a large growth opportunity, or uh, being able to work through all of the steps involved in opening a vaccine clinic that eventually vaccinated more than 87,000 Mainers, um, being able to thoughtfully and strategically approach those situations benefited those leaders really well for their companies.
4: So Andrea, I'm curious, which of these scenarios could you most relate to in your own professional experience?
0: Hey, Allison, thanks. That's a really great question. So, you know, it's funny. I've always been kind of that strategically minded person. I was talking with uh, some of my colleagues about, you know, every time I'm a skier and in the winter, every time I get on the ski lift at Sugarloaf, I think about how many tickets do they have to sell in a in a day to really break even to open these doors? So I, I kind of think like that. And, you know, in a, in a previous life, I worked with uh, an office supply company um, on commercial accounts and I was a sales rep. And so I would manage accounts from a selling perspective, but I always used to go down and talk to our delivery supervisor about, um, you know, the software they use to route various deliveries, how it measures out loads on trucks, where the drivers had to go, whether it was bulk delivery or desktop delivery. And I just really found it interesting to talk that stuff through with him. And even though it had nothing to do with my position as a sales rep, um, it, it let me do better in my job because I had a better understanding of what the process was behind the scene that eventually serviced our customers on the on the front end as well. And so it was just really interesting for me to be having those kind of operational and strategic conversations about how we get the end product to the customer and what all the variables um, that are involved in that were and, and how those can change and flux and affect depending on who the customer is, where the customer is, how we're servicing the customer. Um, I just, that stuff to me was always really interesting.
4: I think that's great, Andrea. You know, as we all do business, everything is interconnected. So, everything that, you know, each role plays in an organization uh, impacts another.
1: And stepping outside your comfort zone
4: is
0: always a good thing. Um, so, thank you again for supporting the Main Biz podcast. We are very excited to be bringing you a whole new host of um business leaders in 2022 including bill benson from boots to roots we have um, scott gillespie from saco sport and fitness we have kim block who was a news anchor at wgme news channel 13. Um, so we hope that you will join us for these podcasts and more as we get through um, 2022 we do encourage you to subscribe rate and review our podcast um, and we look forward to engaging with the business
4: community next year. Thank you, everybody. And if you don't want to miss a podcast in the future, we encourage you to subscribe at mainbiz.biz podcasts.
1: And we're always interested in more stories. So keep us on your radar.
0: The Day That Changed Everything is a production of MainBiz. Find out more about this podcast and other MainBiz media products at mainbiz.biz. The Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by MTI or Maine Technology Institute, Norway Savings Bank, and Vistage. The MainBiz podcast team includes Donna Broussard, Allison Nason, Renee Cordes, Maureen Milliken, Will Hall, and Andrea Tetzlaff. Audio editor and producer is Chris Sedanka. Logo and marketing designer is Matt Selva. Subscribe at mainbiz.biz or via iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Copyright 2021.